inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Hello, good day, and welcome to another episode of Outlook. 2021. Yeah, it's our first live, well, still not quite live, but it's our first official episode, I guess, of 2021. The first one, I mean, it still counts from last week, but it was recorded still in 2020, a couple weeks in advance, so. Yeah, but um, we thought it would fit the theme for January, which we've been having here on Outlook the last two years yeah this would be the third year right now mm-hmm. so yeah the last two you're right um yeah so we touched up on it before the break but uh it um january 4th is uh world braille day so right so that's when our show aired last week right on world braille day and we had a guest from nels which is the national network for equitable library service and uh if you look on, into our podcast at Outlook on Radio Western on all podcast services, if you missed it, you can find it there. It was a it was an interesting discussion for sure. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were on it. You you're a little bit more close to the libraries and the Snell stuff than I am, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I've talked about my library library. <laughs> I sound like you when you were five. Library um, issues. Um, in Woodstock, where I live, but as far as accessing Braille and just having Braille as a part of a public library so that we are included. So we talked a, a bunch about that throughout the year in 2020, and we we're finally able to get somebody from NELS, um, which is N-N-E-L-S dot C-A, to come on and talk to us. So she's the public, s- public service librarian, and she's from New Zealand. So we yeah, just had an interesting <laughs> talk all over the place. That was a nice surprise. I mean, we don't generally do pre-interviews for the show. Um, depending on the guest, we might might do some. But, um, but for the the show that you heard last week, we didn't. So, yeah, it was interesting to find out that Picura P- Wiley was from New Zealand and now lives in Quebec. And uh, just to bring a, a new international sort of feel to the show, I thought mm-hmm. that was kind of neat. Um, and then, yeah, yeah. Just, just Nels in general is, a, is an important thing. It's on a on a quick sort of summary it's more it's pretty much integrating braille and just accessibility into public libraries not just braille also talking or audiobooks and uh, other formats but just sort of bringing it into the public system for blindness and blind readers instead of having a separate just a separate library which you know we're, we're not against that either with the, with sila and the other library that's out there but um we think that it's also important to be integrated in the public system plus a big part that you just touched on was having some braille books in public libraries and if anything even if there isn't a blind person in that area that's using them it would more so bring awareness which is what world braille day and all of this stuff is is about so yeah and we're going to touch on that later on on the show today about just what we're teaching the newest generation you know <laughs> what what we're modeling for them what they're seeing um, what they're learning about disability, like you hope that, that that stuff gets better as years go by, but, you know. Yeah, so 
So World Braille Day um, is, as I said, January the 4th every year. It just started, though. The first one was in 2019 because it was the end of 2018, I guess, that um, World Braille Day was uh, officially designated by the UN General Assembly. And it was recognized as a day to raise awareness of the importance of Braille as a means of communication in the full realization of the human rights for persons who are blind or partially sighted. So I couldn't even believe it. When, I, when you'd mentioned World Braille Day, I didn't even remember that it was this new. Um, I figured maybe it's been around yeah. for quite a while. But yeah, since the end of 2018, so you know, not even three years. That just seems odd to me. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not. I'm not here to complain. I'm just I'm, every I'm, every day is World Braille Day is our, our is a Braille Day for us. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm just. I'm also just more. I'm happy that if they haven't in the past, now they have, which is all that matters mm-hmm. to me. I don't always focus on the past. Plus, <laughs> in these days in particular, it is extremely important because this whole idea of you know I don't know how long this has been. Actually, I did find an article from, I think it was 2009, where someone was already was questioning the if Braille was really still necessary and just in relating to all the new technologies that are out there. And that was even before back then where Braille displays, I guess, were around already by then, but um, they were still a bit newer then. Um, and uh, so, you know, that this discussion has been going on. So especially now, I think having a specific day to, to bring awareness to Braille is more important than ever because it is... It is being questioned a bit more how necessary Braille still is. And there's also a lot of talks at certain schools where blind people, blind children might be integrated where it is an extra cost or you have to find the proper teacher to teach it. And sometimes they just don't think it's necessary since we have audio with voiceover and screen readers and everything. Um, So I think that's something that's more of a recent thing that's come out because in the past you know back in the 90s when we grew up there was technology but not really not like today so we still pretty much had to rely on braille um so that at that point these questions weren't really coming up so yeah i mean we've just seen technology change over the years obviously but as far as bringing braille into that sort of equation that's one part of technology most people don't see. And then there are a lot of blind people also who people might know who don't even read Braille. So, you know, it's not like every blind person knows Braille automatically. It's, it takes getting used to like learning to read or write or um, print. So, but we just think it's just as important for, for blind people, blind children, but anyone who's blind, if they want to be able to have some greater access with literacy, um, you know, listening to audio gets a little tiresome. So, Yeah, I mean, this is maybe a pretty weird comparison, but if you would say like sighted people can hear too, why don't why don't we just get rid of print? And I mean, I know maybe they've like um, (laughs) cursive writing and stuff like that's maybe been phased out a little bit. Yeah, that um, that makes me sad. I know you've brought that up before. I think on this Mm -hmm. show or either either on the show or in a private conversation, but um, I know you've brought that up as well. But um, but it's just kind of saying like, yeah, if everyone can listen, so why does anyone need? to read or write actual print or braille save your eyes for other things yeah <laughs> no see this is the other thing i look at it um i think this actually came up on one of our interviews from last year where the discussion about as blind people we're constantly using our ears every day all day for so many things that 
having having braille is just such a nice alternative because it's tactile so you're using your fingers and you can shut all you can, you know i can sit in a quiet room and read a book and it's there's just something about that having a break from using my ears and it's like this whole discussion about we have these you know well five senses in our case four more so that we that we rely on but um you know it's sometimes we don't use all of our senses as much as we could so it's just that's another thing i love about braille that it involves a different um sense yeah um well like i said i love being able to just sit here with my braille and you would never know if I didn't point that out, point that out just now, so right, it, and that's what I talked about, where I said it, that it it, it uh, allows blind people to gain confidence, and that's a big part of it. Is doing this yeah. show, we're not having a voice speak in our ears that we have to listen to and then translate when we're reading our notes, you know, which is another option to do. If and like we say, it's we also you don't want to come off, you know, judging anyone or being hard on anyone if they don't know braille, because it is it's like anything, it is a skill that has to be learned, and not everyone has. The, the resources or the options in their lives like it's or people who go blind later in life or even younger kids who just didn't get it in school as much as they should like there's so many factors so i don't want it to come across like you know there's any <laughs> any shame if you don't know it as a blind person yeah um because that's that's not what we were here to do but i just think it is so important for for literacy really is the big thing um because you know even something is like uh sentences and capitals and periods if if you just listen to audio all your life, you don't even necessarily think about that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've seen that in some places before, some posts or something that someone will make, and there's just a run-on sentence that goes on and on and on. And it just doesn't, I don't know, something about it just, it's its unfortunate. So I just, I really see such, so much importance in, in Braille as, as you do too. And it's one of those things we'll talk about, we'll never stop talking about on the on Outlook. <laughs> Yeah, like we say, no braille shame. Hashtag no braille shame. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, you do hear a voice on and on and on, and uh, it is nice to be able to read braille. Uh, but um, we're happy to talk about that mostly all month here. Yeah, I guess we should also mention that World Braille Day commemorates the birthday of Louis Braille, mm-hmm. um, and he was born in 1809. So he his birthday is on January the fourth as well. Then. So uh, it's important for our listeners to know that. Yeah, and like you're saying, right? Like if if you you can tell when people, a lot of blind people do. I mean, and people in general now with technology, a lot of people find it handy to dictate into their phone. And if you don't edit yourself after, then uh, you know it's like when you tell Siri to to say something, she can get it wrong a lot. If you don't check your text before you send it, you know you know what can kind of what can ensue from that sometimes. So you'll just see, yeah, commas or no punctuation at all. And it's just, nobody can, and that makes it painful to listen to, let alone read in Braille without punctuation. That's what it was invented for. But, um, but yeah, no, we were glad to have our guests from Nels there on the show. And um, we have another um, week of guests coming up that are, this should be on next week, I think. Yeah, um, well, we have... We've we've booked quite a bit in advance here with the new year, so we have four mm-hmm. four weeks of guests planned for the next four weeks, pretty much. So, um, well, I hit the ground pretty, running after. Yeah, no, that's after great. The, <laughs> after the new year, I thought, well, you know, I had all these ideas for people I wanted to book on Outlook for 2021, and I thought it's just funny to me that a year ago, exactly right now, 
we're starting 2020 off. It's so different, right? We've said this before, but we were in the studio at Radio Western. Great place, great equipment, great people there. And we were, we'd enjoy coming in to do our show every week and every Monday. And we, we didn't have guests nearly as often as we would by the remainder of the year once COVID sort of hit, hit us all. And so this year I uh, had a, a list in my head. I started making of all these guests I wanted to have. And yeah, so I sent out some emails once the craziness of the holidays was over. Uh, and I, you know, you never know if people are going to be busy right away and not get back to you. So you, I sent out a bunch and I thought, well, we are in we'll a prov- provincial lockdown right now. So most well, people I think are at home. All right. That's true. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people are following what, what, what we're supposed to be following, um, <laughs> but let's, let's go back to Braille again here. Cause you know, we always love talking about it. Um, so there's a couple more things specifically about it that I wanted to point out with, uh, learning, uh, being able to know Braille compared to audio that the benefits are another one is, is certain words like, um, you know, that like homonyms and stuff like that words that sound the same, but are spelled differently. Um, and mm-hmm. that's the big part of it. It, it comes back into literacy and spelling. And for me, um, I don't know if it maybe access is the same part of the brain that um, people would use for visual learning. Um, I mean, it's part of it's tactile because I'm feeling it. But for example, by reading Braille, I can think of a word and how it feels. And that helps me with the spelling. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. like if I think of a word like different, I can feel that word in my mind. Like I remember how it feels. And that (laughs) helps a lot with spelling. Whereas I feel like if if someone's just constantly hearing odd words over and over and they're telling you how to spell this word, but you have no other method besides, you know, just remembering a bunch of letters off, off by heart instead of having a, a tactile thing to reference or think about in your head. Like it's just another way to remember things. And again, maybe some people are more audit, like everyone has a different style. Some people learn better, like um, audibly through their auditory mm-hmm. skills. So some people might still be able to learn to spell and all that without having Braille, but I just think it's it's one of those things that makes it much easier and it's, uh, yeah, it's just another important part about it. And I just think it's, I think it's interesting how, I don't know if anyone would, would think about that, how someone who's blind could imagine what a word was like in their head to help with the spelling of it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know what you're talking about and it can easily be translated into how people do it who are sighted. Right. It's it's a different word. Mm -hmm. That's why I thought it might be kind of similar to that, to visual learning where you're learning based on, you know. Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah, It's kind of the same concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, we have uh, some guests coming up shortly in 2021 um, from a podcast called Talk Description to Me. And again, I was just going to point out when we speak to them, um, that I like audio description because it allows me to listen to somebody describing a scene and I can picture it in my head. Like I can, so I am a visual learner in that way. And so the Braille is the same way for me. Yeah. It's nice to feel it under your fingertips, but it can also be uh, imagined, imagined in your mind. So, yeah. So let's cool. read a little bit more of this, this article from the, this is actually a statement from the world blind union, which we'll talk about in a minute as well. Um, but they just, they, they, they touch on a few other important things here that when they say that Braille is essential for literacy, which we talked about, and lifelong learning of the blind, mm-hmm. their freedom of expression and opinion, as well as social inclusion. Um, yep. And That's what we were talking about with Nels, yeah. They also they also talk about here in a lot of ways how it's our right to learn Braille. Like it's it's something that we we have the right, you know, it's it's a 
it should be a protected um, that that blind people are learning Braille to to not give be given the option to to learn Braille. You know, it's kind of not it's it's not allowing us our literacy. So it's it is a right for sure. It's yeah, a human I mean, right. as as we may have pointed out in the past, um, years and years ago. Braille books were harder to produce before technology and all of that. And at, at one point, blind people weren't really encouraged necessarily to learn Braille. And, and a lot of books weren't produced. Like when Louis Braille was first inventing Braille in the school he went to for the blind in Paris. Uh, this is about 200 years ago now almost. Uh, <laughs> he invented this, this reading system and writing system. And he tried to teach to students. He became a teacher at the school once he was done as a student. And he tried to teach it in the school. And the school wouldn't l allow it to be taught at, right, at, in, at the time. Braille wasn't really um, a big universal thing. Obviously, it was invented in, in, in France. Right. Um, but it didn't really become a worldwide thing until about the early... 1900s, I think. So, right, because it had to go from French Braille to being a universal thing, right? And so back when he invented it, school didn't really want blind people to have that much power. And literacy would bring us power, right? And it would bring us, you know, um, but that's integration and all those things. That's, I mean, it's not quite the same, obviously, but that just sort of reminds me today of when you hear about, um, I mean, luckily we didn't, I mean, I think maybe you actually did have this go happen a little bit because you still had enough sight to read uh, large print. And that's mm -hmm. another little issue we can touch on. But um, I just think now, even now with some of the schools refusing to teach blind students Braille or just saying it's not necessary and all this, I think that's kind of similar to back way back back in the day when Braille wasn't. I mean, I know now we have the audio stuff, so that's still something, but that's still not the same to me. It's not to me. That's again defying a human right that that we uh, we have to uh to to read braille and have those literacy skills so it's just kind of scary in some ways when you think about that as being i know it's not quite like it was back in the day but well we've come we've we've come a certain way and then all it feels like we're almost backsliding a little yeah i mean i like, don't think it was it was invented in the 1800s and um then by the but it wasn't really a thing till 1900. And then now that it's almost, it's the 21st century now. And now the technology is a thing. We're sort of backsliding a little into. Yeah. And I, I mean, know. I think it's just, it's so important to still, it's easy to say, Oh, this was, that was from a hundred, a few hundred years ago. It's obsolete, this and that, but that's just a blanket. That's just a <laughs> statement you can say, but there's no, there's no reason to it. Like, I don't even know, honestly, I don't quite know who's saying this, all this stuff about <laughs> why do blind people still need to learn Braille? Uh, I've never said it. And well, that's what people have pointed out that when we hear that as blind people who, who use Braille, we feel like stabbing somebody with a stylus, which is um, a little, bring that up. well, it's funny. Like it's, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know who started it and who keeps saying it. And I guess we keep repeating it when we say it, oh, but I, thought I, you said, I thought you came up with that. I did not start this rumor. With a stylus. Oh no! Oh that! No, no, I, I don't think I think I'm probably stealing that from somebody. Oh. I think it was just a, an impulse a lot of people have. I could I, I could also say I, I like to drop a brailler on your toe because that would be bad too. You know, <laughs> one of those heavy duty heavy duty Perkins brailers, old typewriter things. Yeah, those are crazy heavy. <laughs> um, but yeah, right before I finish off this the statement here, um, I just wanted to mention that it's uh, the statement was provided by the World Blind Union. And this is another organization that, you know, I talk about on the show quite a bit, how we were kind of away from the, the blind community for a few years, in a sense, just 
not not growing up in it. I mean, we grew up in it when we were really young, but then being integrated into public school with with the sighted population, we kind of got away from it a bit. And then just the last few years with the Canadian Federation of the Blind being introduced again, I even hadn't heard about the World Blind Union. And I actually heard about them. I think it was somebody was talking about it at the first convention I was at in Orlando for the National Federation mm-hmm. of the Blind. Um, so again, it's one of these things where it's like, we're blind people, but why do we not know about the World Blind Union until we're in our thirties. Like, I mean, yeah. it's part of it's growing up and just paying more attention, but at the same time, you'd think blind people should be more aware of these things. Um, so the world blind union WBU is the global organization that represents the estimated 253 million people worldwide who are blind or partially sighted members consist of organizations of blind people ad- advocating on their own behalf and organizations that serve the blind in over 190 countries, as well as international organizations working in the field of vision impairment. So, it's just yeah, a- I saw a lot of posts on um, the actual January 4th there, um, different pages I follow on social media about different countries around the world and how they're advocating for their, their blind people to have more access to Braille. So I'm seeing that you know, that's the kind of thing that the World Blind Union would represent. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that. So, you know, it's different in every country still, obviously. Right, that's a big thing is... More know, than we, others. But. We don't know that much about Braille in, in other countries and, you know, the yeah. you know third third world countries and places. Braille is still still expensive to produce. And then even and then also, obviously, this technology is also like really expensive, the Braille displays and all this stuff. But even just yeah. regular Braille on paper is still a cost. And a lot of these countries, it could, could be harder. And uh, um, the World Blind Union is something I'd would like to learn a bit more about because I really don't know that much. And it's one of those things someday it'd be neat to go to some sort of a world blind union event just to see, mm-hmm. get a perspective from other countries and how this all connects to the United Nations and how this is all a thing. So it's just, it's interesting yep. to hear about that and um, to see that these things exist. It's, I'm, I'm glad that I've, even though I didn't learn about them sooner, I'm just glad that I've, I'm now aware of these organizations. So yeah, maybe we'll talk a little bit more now about Braille Day, which happened this past Monday. It, yeah. And, uh, a week ago, Monday kind of a, from when you're hearing this. Right. January 4th. It was kind of an interesting um, day because there was an event that took place here in Canada. And um, you... <laughs> so I always forget. I'm on social media and I forget that you don't always see all the announcements I see about these events. And I didn't... I, I guess I didn't inform you like a good sister and co-host should. Uh, so you joined the celebrations a little late, but here in Canada, we had a birthday celebration for Louis Braille, you know? So um, it was put on by um, NELS, as we've been talking about, National Network yeah, for I mean, Equitable it did Library come up, Service. It did come up on the on the NELS episode that we, that we aired last week that we recorded last year. Um, it was mm-hmm. brought up there, but we didn't talk about it a ton in that interview. So I kind of remembered... Um, but again, that was also recorded <laughs> last year, right before Christmas. I kind of remember, but I wasn't totally sure on the details. And I don't know, just getting into a new year, I did, I didn't, uh, I wasn't on top of it as much as I wish I had mm-hmm. been. But um, either way, you were there for most of it, and I was there at the end for for a portion. So if you want to talk a little bit about it and your experience, yeah. So it was put on by Nels. Uh, it was a Zoom event, like most things are these days. Uh, but it was also sort of co-hosted, I guess, by. Um, as we're going to have our guests coming up shortly um, next week, I believe um, Braille Literacy Canada and Canadian Federation of the Blind. And then 
um, Canadian Council of the Blind, and then Vern, which is visual visual impaired vision impaired resource network. They're a new one to me too. So yeah, that's another forgive, new one. Forgive me there. And then the library for um, sort of associated with the CNIB CELA Library Center for Equitable Library Access. So everybody sort of put it on together. Um, and so it said um, the announcement for it was this is a celebration of Braille literacy and it's open to people of all ages who are curious about Braille, either practically, professionally, or somewhere in between. <laughs> right? And target, target audiences include new Braille readers or users, library staff, and educators. So there were a lot of library um, employees. And there were panels, and then the um, Braille Literacy Canada, which we'll speak to them more next week, but they, they sort of did a Braille 101 for people who maybe were new to Braille. And, uh, you know, a lot of us on the call are very familiar with Braille already, but not everybody. Yeah, and so I think remember that's that. why I think they will be a good guest for next week, because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our audience, I'm assuming, isn't as f- that familiar with Braille. We're trying to cater to both blind and sighted, but almost in some ways more the sighted, because this is a show to educate and and all this. So, you know, having someone, it's, it's hard to explain something I find to someone when you know it really well, yeah. so well, and you're trying to explain it and you, it, you know that other people don't know it, but it's still hard to, to separate the two. So I just think they're probably more trained and know how to sort of approach it from a beginner standpoint, which would be good to, to get that uh, opinion. Yeah. It, so it was, and it, it was interesting because they had like a, uh, they had a, an inclusive story time uh, this is all taking place in the morning, but it was an inclusive story time. So then they had a woman on Zoom who was blind, who was reading a book, a children's book called Harry's Hiccups by Jean Little. And we've talked about her on Outlook before. She was, um, died last year in April. She's a, uh, she was a blind Canadian writer of children's and young, young adult fiction and things. And uh, she wrote a few memoirs and other things. But um, so the, the one girl read her, her book in Braille, and then they were still trying to show the, the pictures in the picture book for anyone cited who was on the call. But then they also had somebody paired up with her. And I think together they wrote some some um, image descriptions, which we've talked about that before on the show. So, you know, if you t- translate a children's book into Braille, then the kid can, the children can read the Braille, the actual story. But how do they understand what's happening in the, ch- in the pictures? That's a separate thing. That's not included in, in the regular text of the book that gets translated into Braille. And I was always imp- so impressed with our mother. She always just made the best of it, right? Like, it's not always easy to find places that will make print Braille books, as they're called. And we think more libraries should have a little section of print Braille just so children get accustomed to it. But, but our mom always just, she never waited around to find a huge resource of Braille books for us when we were kids. She just would get regular children's books and she would just tape in sheets of braille and she would braille out the text for the for the, of the book for us so you know not everybody gets something like that at home so you know i was always considered as fortunate to have that but so that was part of it and um then there was also book clubs which i didn't take part in that one and one of the books you could choose if you've read it already then you would have discussed it on on january 4th and one of the books i just want to point out quickly was um for adults, they had options for French Braille and for children and for um, adults. And the book they you could choose for adults was the one we um, reviewed by Amanda LeDuc called Disfigured. So oh, nice. We reviewed that last year. How come so you didn't I join was, that, that, that book club? You could have I, discussed it. 
yeah, I missed that. I, I, I must have skipped over that part of it. So I just didn't sign up for that part of it. I think you had to sign up ahead of time for that. So, But then there were just some great panels after that with, like I said, everybody, some representatives from all the organizations I listed talking about their experiences in, with Braille and what Braille means to them. So that was really, I think a lot of people got a lot out of that, very educational. So I'm not sure if that's part of what you heard. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder, I also kind of wondered how many people were aware of this this Braille event. How well was it promoted? I just, mm. you know, I'm always curious because, again, it's one of those things where Braille is so important to me and I just hope that, that more people I don't know. Are... Yeah, where I'll, do, where I'll do you promote something like that? Social media, email lists, and yeah. I don't know. But all, all programming is on Zoom, like I said, these days. So, you know, most people would have got a notification. They would have heard about it somewhere here in Canada. There's, if, you know, if you don't know anyone else who's blind in Canada, then maybe you wouldn't have. But if you a part of a network like we've sort of become, then you do hear it if you have a sister who will tell you. <laughs> all right. Well, we're coming up on the, the halfway point. Good thing I have a sister that'll tell me. And, uh... and thank you for telling me about the time. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back with more Outlook. Welcome back. You are listening to Outlook, our first new episode of 2021. Yeah, Happy on New Radio Year. Radio Western. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, it's not, in a way, it's not our first because we did have one last week. But again, that was. First with me and you. Oh, right, right. And, yeah, just and as I said, I, we have many guests upcoming. So this is a nice chance for just you and I to talk about some stuff. Um, obviously, Braille was um, most important thing we talk about in January. But. As you know, if you listen to the show, we like to talk about other things. Um, and so what else have you been up to, Brian? Did some stuff musically, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I did cover it um, on, at the end of last year when we did, it, when we did our 2020 wrap-up. But I just thought give it a, a refresher. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel I just wanted to quickly talk a little bit about music just in general and how it's, it's a tough thing. Like, I've, you know, at the end of last year, the band I'm in... Uh, one of the bands I'm in called Riker um, finally released our EP or some, I might even refer to it as a mini LP. Cause it kind of feels like an album to me. It's just, it's a bit shorter. It's 27 minutes. Um, but we, you know, we worked on it for, I mean, on and off, we took a, quite a bit of a break, but it's kind of was four years in the making, you know, put hundreds of hours into it. Um, finally put it out in the world. And it's just weird with, it's the same with you with writing. I'm sure where it's when you create something like that and you put so much time into it, <laughs> and you just put it out there and then it's like, oh, now what? Thud. Um, and it's just promotion in general. Some people are better at it than others. I'm not very mm. good at it. I'm good at talking about other bands and stuff, but my own stuff is kind of awkward. But I just, I did want to mention it on this show again. Um, Rikermusic.bandcamp.com. Riker is R-I-K-E-R. Um, so our... our Releases up there for either purchase or streaming, and we will have it on other streaming services soon um, as well. But I just wanted to mention that again um, because it's just something that's very important to me. And it's music is a tough thing. It's uh, I don't know. You have to do it for the love of it, but then you also yep. While I, in some ways, I don't care. In other ways, I want people to hear it because I you make it to be you make it to be heard. Right. It's also one of those things that certain music connects with some people and not others. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't expect someone to just listen to it and definitely like it. If it's not your taste, that's one thing with music, but it's mm-hmm. more the, the, the just feeling like, how do you get it out there? So people at least have the opportunity or chance to hear it that might like it, that just don't know about it. 
And especially these days when there's just so much music, I mean. Well, maybe someday we'll go to a, go to a world a blind union. You know. Yeah, that was another. That was another funny thing I brought up. <laughs> Conference, and you could maybe. Yeah, you did bring that up yesterday. That I brought up to you was this whole, the whole idea of trying to find connect with other blind people that are into similar kind of music. Because anyone that knows me knows that I'm not into as much sort of mainstream kind of music, and doesn't mean that I don't respect some of it. And there's some stuff that I like. It's just for me, I feel like a lot of more of the underground sort of independent stuff feels more authentic. I can relate to it more. It feels like something I could strive towards myself, whereas this professional stuff just doesn't quite connect with me. A lot of the, I don't want to say professional stuff. That's a weird way of putting it, but just like some of the best-selling kind of stuff. Um, Singles, this, radio play. Yeah, it just doesn't have the yeah. same quite connection. So it's one of these things where the audience is very small, and it's just I've never met another blind person really who's been into kind of the same sort of tastes that I'm into. Um, so then it's also trying to find that audience in the world and it's you know if you could when you can connect with it that that would be great but it's uh i don't know it can get a little frustrating but i also try not to stress over it too much um nope. the other thing cannot, which, do- cannot dwell the other thing which we already posted a link was the song that um carrie wrote the lyrics for about uh unfortunate accident i had a few years ago with a, a brain injury that i luckily recovered from um mm-hmm. carrie wrote lyrics and I recorded guitars and a bunch of stuff. And then we had um, uh, someone singing them here in London and some percussion added. And that turned out great. I did it for a, my favorite, one of my favorite radio shows um, out of New Jersey. That's a 25 hour long Christmas theme show with a whole bunch of weird and interesting eclectic Christmas music. Um, so he played it on that show and that was just a nice way for me to end the year. Um, and that's available nope, the on... Do- the dogs are oh, back in the Brian's dogs apartment. are back in the I just want to clarify too, they're not in my apartment apartment. <laughs> so they're like, in the lobby. I don't own the dogs, but uh yeah. There's but someone... they keep making their appearances when we record the show. It's funny. <laughs> I guess there are new mascots or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean But anyway, sorry, you were saying for <laughs> <laughs> that dog rudely yeah. interrupted us. Well. Um But yeah, so that, that song we posted a link on um on the notes for our last podcast or the wrap-up podcast from last year but if you want to find it it's at soundcloud.com slash ski patrol music so you can go there and find it as well ski as an s-k-i right maybe i'll post the links once more in the podcast i don't again i guess promotion is a weird thing i don't i feel silly kind of pushing and you know christmas is over continually talking about this but at the same time it's it is also kind of a weird time just to mention as well I mean, it's a bit different for us. We're not a well enough known band at all to for it to really matter. But releasing an album at the very end of a year is kind of a weird time because those ones, those albums often get overlooked in a lot of ways because people have already made their best of the year lists and their favorites from the year. And then the new year starts and they're looking for new music from the new year. But it kind of, it can get sort of lost a little bit when something comes out at the end of a year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows if how much of a difference it makes, but it's just something that I've noticed too doing a radio show that I'll do my favorites from the year and then I'll be like, oh, there was an album that came out on December 23rd that I missed. It's like, <laughs> God. It's because it's just a, it's a tough time to make anyone's best of lists or anything at that point. Cause it's, but it's not the new year yet. So it doesn't really always make the, the new year lists. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here, but that's what happens when I start talking about mm-hmm. music. You're running away with yourself. But other than that, I've just been well, back in London podcast, again. Oh yeah. Right? That's one other thing. Yeah. We did when, I was back at Carrie's for Christmas. Um, we recorded an episode of our podcast. You want to 
maybe quick talk about that? Yeah. I mean, it was the precursor to Outlook. And we have, now that we're on the podcast platforms uh, with Outlook, we just sort of took these episodes of this pre former podcast that we started in 2016 called Ketchup on Pancakes, which is an old family recipe of ours. So that was um, how we learned how to create a podcast uh, with a theme and, you know, practice um, before we got to this this outlook that we're doing now. And so we, we still record, I guess we've been doing it basically once a year, just to basically an audio cataloging of what happened. Just so we can look back years later and see what happened, what 2020 was like. So we, we did nice, we, uh, you know, put some Christmas music in there. And um, so that's on the, um, what's that called? The, not the news feed, <laughs> social media. It's a RSS feed. RSS but feed, it, that's it. Or our podcast feed. If you just go to Outlook on Radio Western, on any of the podcast if services. If you see ketchup on pancakes, don't, it's, that's supposed to be there. Those are. Yeah. We put those there on purpose. It's another um, side of our, our, um, the projects that we do audio and things. That we yeah. Do it's together. just not, a, it's not, we didn't really focus on disability and advocacy. I mean, we'll talk about it on there as well, but it's a, it's a bit more casual than this show. Um, but it's mm-hmm. again, like you say, it started before this show. It was kind of the, originally, uh, they had the program director at the time had suggested we, could put ketchup on pancakes on the air um mm. and we kind of i think we actually did play one once on a fill-in when we weren't <laughs> we didn't have an outlook yeah. record i think we put one on this time slot um and maybe we'll do the same thing again someday in the future just to switch it up but uh it's a little it's a different show that we do not as frequently anymore but uh mm-hmm. it's nice to have it on the same feed so hopefully some people have found it and yeah. other than that just i was at carrie's for almost a week there over the holidays and then I came back to London and I'm just kind of trying to get back into the groove of the new year and adjusting and oh yeah we're in the in the process still of planning we should start mentioning this on the show more and more as it as it um, gets closer but we're starting we're working on planning the virtual Canadian Federation of the Blind convention we were both on a convention meeting call last night and uh so yeah that's we still have a lot of work to do with that but hopefully it's the right at the end of April, beginning of May, that for that weekend there, the Friday, Saturday. Um, so hopefully mm-hmm. everything will turn out and uh, we look forward to hosting that over Zoom and anyone's welcome to that. So we'll keep promoting it on this show when we have more info and uh, share it around. And hopefully, you know, anyone will consider attending even just for a bit to drop by because it's important to, yeah. to learn about. We're, this stuff. we're friendly. <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's what's coming up this year a little bit, you know. I got other things in the works, but that'll 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 get us going. Right. But um tying it back to what we started the show with a little bit. Um something came up in the news just in the last few days and it's been a crazy week. I shouldn't say crazy. I mean, it has been. It's been hard for me to see what's going on in the news. Uh COVID of of course, but also in the United States this week as the last days of number 45's presidency ticked down. And speaking of ticking, <laughs> um, a story came out um, that was being shared about Helen Keller, which I'm sure our listeners have heard of her. Um, but it's it sort of talks about why I think we need to, why I think it's impro- important that Braille is is out there in society in our libraries, so children grow up with it, like our siblings kind of did, and like classmates we went to school with kind of did. So it's not such a foreign thing to them. And they maybe understand it a little better, right? So it's what, what are we teaching the, these generations? Uh, 
And so Helen Keller, um, she was born in 1880, if you, if you aren't sure. And uh, there's a famous scene where she's at a water pump with her teacher. And, and Helen Keller was born. She wasn't born that way, but she, she uh, I think she got like scarlet fever or something. They're not quite certain, I guess. And it, it caused her to lose her hearing and her sight when she was like 19 months old. This was in Alabama in 1880, so it was a long, long time ago, different time, obviously. Uh, and she, her family were a little lost about how to help her until she was about eight, I believe, seven or eight. And they found a teacher who came from the famous Perkins School in Boston, um, which is a school for the blind that's been around for a long time. And she came to Alabama and, and taught Helen how to sign with her hands and, and, and what language was. I mean, Helen was a bright girl already. But she just needed someone to help her sort of unlock those things. So Helen went on to have quite a great life uh, for the time, right? And for being a woman who had multiple disabilities, her teacher was actually uh, legally blind. So um, kind of maybe the way I had it when I was a kid, you know, she could read large print, I believe. But she helped Helen. Um, and together they sort of went through it, the journey together teacher and student, I guess they called themselves. But this story started coming out. And you know the kids these days, they're on this new social media thing called TikTok. Have you heard of that, bro? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've So far, I've just really stuck to Facebook. Um, so I know. Well, I have one too. On one, but anyway. So a year, um, in November 2019, I was at a social media conference in Toronto. And all of a sudden, there was a presentation about this thing called TikTok. And I really hadn't even heard of it. I, my friends and I were at this conference and we started sort of laughing like oh it was like tic tac you know like but now we feel like the old ones in our 30s because it's 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 a very um a popular thing now the young young people as you say aren't so much on facebook i thought instagram was the big one well that's still a big one facebook. that's still a big one but <clears throat> as far as that a lot of um older people like instagram too it's sort of yeah TikTok very universal. in itself seems like a definitely a very younger sort of generation and i i can't really speak to tiktok very much i really haven't been on it i i hear it's quite a visual thing it's very it's like snapchat it's very you, in the moment you make a video and you post it and you you know these yeah, are very brief a lot of little videos trend on there and they get you know mm -hmm. thousands or maybe even millions of views right so Right. But this thing started coming, circulating the other day it was Helen Keller. Why is the TikTok controversy theory undermining her story, which her story, I guess, is just her, her, her story in history. And right. like I said, most people have heard of her, but how much do you know of her? And I grew up loving the, um, the movie, it's a black and white movie, I believe, from the 1960s, I think, or late 50s, called The Miracle Worker. And maybe some of you have seen that. Uh, and that shows the main, the first few years that Helen and, and Ann Sullivan, the teacher, knew each other. But after that, they, you know, like I said, they went on to live this whole other life. And and um, so she, Helen Keller went on to be a writer and an activist. Kind of the kind of stuff, the reason why I've always kind of admired her over the years when I learned about her is because that's the kind of thing I, I love doing now. Um, but there's this thing that I guess was considered a joke on, on TikTok, 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 <laughs> calling it. yeah. And, but then it's gained some traction and, uh, I guess a lot of kids, I guess they're called generation Z, right? Or Z as they say in the U S and, um, these are rumors. Like, I think we and I brought it up before about Stevie wonder, the rumor that sort of circulates with social media and the internet now that 
it may be before that, but that he's not actually blind because he couldn't do all the things he's doing and look the way he walks and moves. He, it looks like he must be looking at you and that, you know, whatever people think. So I guess it's just spread to Helen Keller now. And it started out with a bunch of sort of rumors and joking. And these kids claim it's a joke. And I don't want to put this all on kids because it's really not. And what I'm saying is, what are we teaching our children about history? What kind of education are we getting in this country, you know, in North America, in the world? Uh, and of course, we are here to say that Helen Keller is not the only blind person or deaf blind person in the world. She just has had the most attention over the years. But for some reason, the kids now have got it in their heads that how could she have done all she did if she is really if she was really deaf and blind? And it's interesting. So how do you, I read. How do you the, feel about that? I read the article as well that you're referring to. And it was it was kind of brought up the same in the same way I feel to a degree where the author kind of pointed out too, they the author even has trouble believing it sometimes and and I do as well I think I mean I don't have I don't it's not that I don't believe it but it's I can totally understand why someone would feel like that and because if it's so long ago you weren't around then you didn't you've never seen it in person and you know you know now everyone's very specific about research and looking everything up and researching everything mm-hmm. and it's just. I wasn't around then and it is kind of hard for me to imagine, you know, and again, this is, I'm not saying this is, is right or wrong, but it's just, it's simply the truth is I think about someone being blind and deaf and it kind of amazes me. How would, how would they learn to speak? And I mean, I get, right. I get the concepts of how they, you can associate a, uh, a sign, a, you know, feel someone's hand and then relate it to this sound and then feel someone's lips and all this kind of stuff. But it's, I mean, I'm also not deaf and I don't know enough about that. And we hope to have some more guests on this show in the future that are, you know, do have other mm-hmm. impairments, not just blindness, um, so that we will learn more about these. But it's one of these things that I just, I like to put put out that, that opinion of, or the side that I can see where, how this could happen and where someone would be coming from to believe it. Because yeah. as a blind person myself, I find it a little bit hard to believe sometimes. Yeah, but that's the thing. Um it's like, how could Keller's existence be up for debate? So some, some of them are saying that they don't even believe she existed. Others are saying, we believe she existed in history, but we don't believe that she was either deaf. Maybe they believe she's one or the, one or the other, but they can't believe she's both. Right? And like you said, it, you can see how rumors like that get started. And it's hard when somebody's a part of history, you know. Well, yes, it's... it's there's it's, enough of a record of their existence, but it's it, the, the more years that pass and the more time goes by that nobody knows that person anymore wasn't around when they were around because helen keller died in 1968 right so um it's funny i was in we were in washington dc about 21 years ago 22 years ago almost and uh, i had the chance to visit her grave she's actually buried in in dc uh and i was i was on a lot of chronic pain that day and we'd done a lot of touring and i didn't get a chance to go and i kind of regret that now but um i don't know what she's what's written about her in history books exactly yeah, it's hard but for me just, to know. I mean, you worry about these things getting whitewashed as time goes by. And I mean, that's and that's the case with a, a lot of history is things get altered over time. Things get I don't know exactly what what's taught and what you know how much someone's views come into things sometimes. And you know, it's like you say over time, things just get. It's like anything if they get told over and over and over, the stories do slightly change sometimes. And and it is also this the sort of scary situation that we're in in this world now where everyone kind of feels like they're an expert because they have the (laughs) internet and this stuff and if they can't find enough info to to verify something then they they just maybe don't believe in it whereas back in the day 
you know, some people might still question things, but it, generally people went to school, they learned information there, and they took it as truth because it was, um, and again, not to say that everything in the past was great with the with teaching and history and stuff, but I just worry sometimes you think these days it could get worse depending on the certain situations. And then another part of me thinks about, not that, not that it, I, you know, history is important, and I, I want to be able to remember Helen Keller, and that's important, but that's why we really do need more blind people. I mean, I know it's tough with history because exactly. history takes time for someone to really gain that recognition some, in a lot of yeah. ways. But we need some more role models besides, if you mentioned blindness, someone just says Helen Keller and Louis Braille. We need more name. I mean, some of those, like who knows how many people even know the name Louis Braille, but um, mm-hmm. still probably enough. But other than that, what are other, you know, <laughs> we need to have more representation. We have to have more names. We have to, put ourselves out there and just get more recognition. Yeah. And, and, and that's why we do the show. And that's why we're trying to, um, you know, get to know more blind people and see what blind people are up to in the world and, and people, you know, deaf, blind, deaf, blind, either one. It's just these disabilities. Um, yeah, it can become sort of mythologized and it's, you know, one blind person maybe could achieve that, but, you know, Helen Keller really lived, right? She she traveled the world. She campaigned on civil rights, labor rights, women's suffrage, and her book. She's written. She wrote several books, um, several like memoirs and autobiographies. And her book on socialism was was burned by the Nazis. So she was she was quite the activist. And so I look up to her in that regard. But yeah, we we can't just rely on one or two people throughout history um, to to sort of show the world what what people are capable of but we're at a time where disability is talked about more than it was um but at the same time anybody who looks at a disability that they don't know much about they can be like well how could they possibly like how could they possibly have recorded this show somebody could think listening to us right right? i mean that's the the whole helen keller thing does kind of come come back to the present day where that's why our point is to really try to change things by getting more blind people connected and involved in community and society and getting out more, working on independence and travel. And again, we realize everyone everyone is at a different level and and it's there's nothing wrong with, with getting help or any of this stuff. We're never saying that, but it's more so... No, no. Well, Helen Keller had lots of help. Right. It's more so try, trying to get out there more and seen. And, you know, these stories about Helen Keller, they'd maybe they would be believed more. I mean, there's also the time period, which might make it hard for people to imagine back. I mean, I don't even know if people look into it this deeply in a lot of ways, probably, but I would look at it as being way back that far makes it a little more difficult. But if kids in this generation were seeing more blind people out there, you know, working in high quality, like, like certain jobs and like really in the workforce and out there, if, if, if the younger kids saw this more, then they would maybe start to understand what, blind people can do then they wouldn't be as amazed by helen keller and they wouldn't exactly you know it wouldn't be such a m- mythical kind of thing whereas if they've never seen a blind person which it's also just the same the fact that we're still a small portion of the population so it isn't always easy to come across too many blind yeah. people in a regular life but a, another big part of it i still always believe is the fact that not enough blind people are out in the community as as could be we're a little yep. bit more still sheltered than than I than I like, and I just hope that. And I think with technology and this, and just 
the times changing. I think it is getting less and less and more blind people are going, you know, into, into sciences now and certain things that, I mean, maybe they did in the back, back in the day, but I think now more than ever. So there is definitely hope there. I just think. Yeah. I mean, so this is everywhere now. There's an, an, is an um, article in the guardian and, and, and in, this, in this article, they quote it as something called context collapse, context collapse. Right. So, put yourself in the context of what it was like back when Helen was around and you know, that's hard to do for kids. It's hard to think back that far yeah, I mean, in the past for anyone. I think like you said kids, but for me, I've just, I've always find found history interesting and fascinating to a degree, but I've also just found it hard sometimes to understand. Cause I think it is hard for me to really relate or, I mean, it'd be hard for anyone. We weren't around then, but I've just, some people might be able to connect better than others. I've just found it hard to put myself in that situation from a few hundred years ago. It's kind of hard for me to imagine the world at all back then. Mm -hmm. And it's not yep. even that long ago. It's just, no, it isn't. It's crazy. But this started out on TikTok. So it started out with this, uh, this, I guess he's a screenwriter and he noticed there was a conversation going on between his teenage nieces and nephews. So I compare that to, to you and I, we have teenage, well, practically teenage niece. She's 10 now. It's crazy. But, um, right. So these kids came to their grandmother and they said, and she asked them, do you know who Helen Keller is when they saw these videos going around on TikTok?" And they, so then they told the grandmother and the, I guess he's the uncle about this. And he's like a journalist and a screenwriter. So he's the one who sort of shared this. And I don't really want to get into all the names of these people that are spreading this stuff on TikTok. Uh, you know, it's, it's not really point to that, but TikToks, um, it's, TikTok told Newsweek that any post that was dehuman that dehumanizes others on the basis of a disability is a violation of our community guidelines, right? But then they say the videos have been up since May and they've sort of come and gone and things and it can it, this rumor persists. So I just want to talk about it on Outlook today because, like I said, you know, our nieces and nephews are luckily growing up with us in their family. They They've seen Braille. They, you know... I received a Christmas card that they brailed for me, right? So my bro our brother, um, their father cares, you know, and he cares to include us all in that sort of thing. So they've got to see how cool Braille is, but not all kids get that, right? So and I think I gotta do I gotta do more work getting it. There's ways I could I could leave Braille books that I don't use anymore in schools, so they could you know have them in the library at a school to show children. And there's things we can do to keep. Yeah, Braille. it's really one of those things. I mean. It's it is tough because there are so many disabilities and so many things like I don't know sign language. I'm not really, right. I mean, I heard about it a little bit growing up and there was some, you know, a couple people I think showed me a few letters like O or something yeah. like that. But it's not something I, I connect with and I remember. So I can understand why people don't aren't aware I'd of like, all these different I'd things. I'd like to but, learn. I'd and like all these disabilities. But I just think these are things that should be taught more in school. I mean, Braille, obviously, you wouldn't spend weeks and weeks teaching students how to use braille but just to talk about it a little bit in a curriculum school curriculum and so that people are aware of it a bit more and don't think it's this secret language when really it's just a code that still represents all of the letters of the alphabet so mm -hmm. all 26 yeah plus there's yeah. a whole so, bunch of short forms that we won't get into so you know everything going on on you know in the states right now about you know, conspiracy theories and things. It is hard. I sometimes wonder what it'd be like if we could go back to the days before social media. Social media has brought a lot to my life, but it also 
can spread these things faster than anything else in history, I think. So we just got to watch out. And that's why we have Outlook to talk about these things. They're in the news. And, and yeah, I still think I still think, yeah, you're going to have people that don't like to follow the the status quo or the, I don't know how you word it, like that just, you know, always are trying to look for other things. But I still mm-hmm. think if you if you make sure to get the right information out there as well, then still hopefully enough people will connect to we'll see the right information and they won't so that's the that's the main thing is making sure we still keep talking about this stuff and and keep it um out there so that it doesn't fade and then it's just a whole bunch of random information that gets turned into different views if we keep spreading this the the positive truths about all of this kind of stuff disability related then it will hopefully still survive and you know yeah and like i said it's the same thing with with the the holocaust there's there's holocaust deniers right there are people out there who seem to want to stir up trouble and i you know it starts with the adults so it's on us what the kids are seeing now yeah no you definitely i think it's easy sometimes people say oh this these generations these days are these kids these days but really how do these kids get here from other the generation before so it's it's really the us and you know people before us too but it's 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 the adults that are the ones that are really the ones, the people that are giving out this information and teaching the new generation. So it's kind of on us, not on them. So, but then it's on the kids to tell the adults what's being circulated on TikTok. What's the latest story there? So it eventually trickles down. All right. Well, I think that's just about going to do it for this week. Uh, yeah, Braille, and we're going to talk more about audio description. Like I said, coming up this month the next it's exciting Um, yeah these things we're going to be lots of interviews lots of good stuff coming up on outlook so thanks for everybody thanks to everybody who listens on the last few years and who hopefully you'll continue to listen in 2021 yeah okay we will see you next week with braille literacy canada find us on twitter at outlook cfb and on facebook facebook.com slash outlook on radio western